Clubroom Backstage. Anja Schneider is talking to Damien Lazarus, one of the biggest visionaires in our scene. I've always thought that the best music comes through times of uh, economic hardship and political unrest, and that's generally when the underground starts to really kick into play, you know. I don't think we've seen the worst of times yet. I think we're going to see some, have some much more difficult days ahead, unfortunately. But I think that we just have to um, stay, try to stay positive, try to continue to be creative, spend this time, you know, getting back into, you know, reading, you know, books, getting inspired by, you know, old movies or, you know, checking in on like old music, maybe some like genres of music that you always thought that you wanted to check out and never really had the time, you know. I'm a very lucky person today because I have one of the most important and charismatic figures from the electronic music scene at the Clubroom Backstage Studio. And with the most warm words, I welcome Damien Lazarus. Oh, hi, Anja. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> Another guest who needs not really an introduction. Uh, around since the 90s from London, ready to take the world. Let's say it like this. Started as a journalist at Dazed and Confused, then worked as a super successful A&R at the label London Records. Then started really fast his label City Rockers with enormous parties during this time. And 2004 was the launch and the year of the legendary Crosstown Rebels and Rebellion label, which are still loved until now. And <laughs> I don't have to name the great parties he's responsible for. Day Zero, Rebel Rave, Get Lost, to name a few, which shown us a complete different vibe and quality of a party because of the locations and the whole staging. Damien Lazarus is the biggest storyteller in our scene with parties and, of course, his amazing Les Pot series, DJ sets, and now with his second album, Flourish, back on his label, Crosstown Rebels. Okay, I can make this list longer and longer and longer, but I'm very proud and happy to sit here with him. Hey, Damien, how are you? <laughs> well, what an intro. <laughs> I, th I, think that we, I think we've just done uh, all the time that we had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, you were around since a long time and there's a lot of stories about you and I think I have to name a few of them. Sure. But how have you been the last months? Um, uh, up and down. Mm. Um, I think like most people, um, very... Um, Uh, anxious mm -hmm. and um, feeling the uh, the weight of the world and the uh, problems that exist out there. But at the same time, been looking for moments of uh, hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I haven't been bored. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Italy in a wonderful landscape and you have a family with two young kids, yes. which is not something where you can board. Ne easily. Never a dull moment, no. <laughs> but um, but no, it's 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 been. Um, It's been very nice to have the time to spend with the kids, especially they've really responded well to mm -hmm. that, actually. Mm -hmm. I was worried that with the schools being closed that their levels of, uh, you know, growing and um, mm -hmm. uh, learning would be um, curtailed. But um, but actually I've been seeing them really flourishing mm -hmm. and uh, um, speaking a lot of English and Italian and just, they're like sponges, kids, aren't they? <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course, they love kids. But it's so nice. I mean, it's not nice, but everyone has the same problems. I had the same. Homeschooling was for me the biggest challenge, you know, because yeah. it's it's really something where I'm not made for, uh -huh. honestly. But I also read, because you live in Italy, that you produced your album do during this time or the last things, which I find really respectful because not everyone had during this time 
the potential of creativity because there was a mm. lot of depression or like a dark hole suddenly for all of us. Yeah. Well, I was lucky because I guess I'd, I'd, um, I'd decided in advance of COVID beginning that mm -hmm. I was um, planning to start writing a new album. So one slight correction is actually my fourth album because... Uh, so the second solo album is Damien Lazarus, but the foot my fourth album because of the ancient, the two Ancient Moons albums. Yes, you're right. Um, but of solo. course, that, <laughs> of course that, um, that with the Ancient Moons it was pretty much like a made up band, but it was mm -hmm. essentially me. Mm -hmm. So it's fourth album. But um, um, there you go. Anyway, um, so yeah, <laughs> I think I started to feel the the need and the ideas flowing um, to start writing a new album towards the end of last year. And I knew that I was going to have a very busy start to the year. I was going to be in South America for mm -hmm. or most of December and January. So I decided to to um, take off um, the most amount of time I'd ever taken off. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be like just under two months from mm -hmm. the beginning of February. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that it was going to end up being the whole year. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I had so I had plans to start writing the album. And I guess um, by the time that the first kind of lockdowns began I was already like deep into it so mm -hmm. I just figured like I'm just going to continue and just keep working and mm -hmm. pretty much treated it like an, a nine-to-five job to be honest I was so you it. really had a daily routine for this because totally, this was for yeah. me very difficult during these times to mm -hmm. have this yeah I did yeah but I um I had a real um I had a real um, focus and I was very um um, determined to to write this music, and of course, at the beginning, nobody was quite sure how long it was going to last or what was going to happen. So, um, so I just kind of ploughed ahead, and of course, then once I finished, there was the question of, well, what do we do now? I mean, do I release it this year, or you know, or wait? Mm -hmm. And and I just figured that, um, you know, fortunately, touch wood, you know, I'm a pretty busy, you know, DJ, so um, it's not like I needed to release an album in order to put a tour around it, you know, to get more bookings and stuff. So mm. I figured I would be busy anyway. So, and then I just thought, well, I guess people are at home, they need mm -hmm. something to listen to. And I guess I've made this and I may as well put it out now. <laughs> it's quite interesting because in the description of your album, I read um, that Flourish should give us a bit hope and offers a glimpse of a new world living in and surviving for, which is exactly fitting into these dark times we've been in. Yeah. So did you know this before? Well, I think that um, at the beginning, a lot of the ideas that I, I was, I was that were coming to me for this album, for the new music, was were pretty dark. You know, mm -hmm. I was having some existential issues. <laughs> I was um, wondering why the the world is in the state it's in, and is is, is there actually anything we can do about it? Should we mm -hmm. just give up? Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, you know, just things like climate change and the fact that you know, yeah. there's so many people like you know, trying to tell us that it doesn't exist and um, you know, problems of the world, you know, even without COVID, you know, that was having a, was just going through a bit of a dark time. And I think I started to write some pretty dark music and I was like heading back into my old drum and bass roots and, <laughs> and getting a bit dark. And, uh, but then, um, then I, I, this, the ideas for Into the Sun, uh, the, mm. the current single came to me and, um, And I just started to feel there was a glimmer of hope. <laughs> and if something like that, which is about, you know, the the, the wonders of like, you know, feeling the, the sun in your face and, and, and um, you know, they've got that summery vibe and, you know, that loving kind of feeling. Uh, I figured if that was going to come to me out of the, all, the, all this dark stuff that was, you know, mm -hmm. pre that preceded it, then then there was some hope and... Um, <laughs> 
And I guess that's where the idea of Flourish came to me because I just figured, well, that, out of all this darkness, you know, we, we're going to have the opportunity to reset, um, to to take stock of where we're at as human beings and, and, and think about how we can improve ourselves mm-hmm. and our, the lives of people around us. And, and then, yeah, I started to feel a little bit more optimistic that maybe... Uh, mm-hmm. It was all. It was all worth. Uh, all, it's worth fighting for. <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting that you say you had a feeling that you was writing more dark music because when I am listening to the album, for me it's really diverse. It has, of course, all these influences you mentioned. But for me, maybe more jazz, a lot of trip hop uh, from the early days, breaky stuff, not really drum and bass so much. But all in a very, very modern approach. I really like it. It's really on, on heavy rotation on my, oh, on my player you. at home. <laughs> so it's not a copy of the old heroes we had. Sometimes you can hear this, you know, yeah. when you have like an, um, your old hero and you're copying it. Uh, it's more for me like a translation in your world, which was you living as for, with your parties and everything, mm. with, which makes it really special and unique for me. And uh, so for me, it's even timeless. So it was not actually something what is really dark. And it yeah. helps, of course, during these times, but it's, I think it's, it's really giving hope sometimes. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, th- I think that, um, you know, I'm, um, I love to pro- produce music, you know. I don't think many people like know that about me because usually the focus is on the parties and, and you know, running around the world playing music to people. But um, when I'm home, there's nothing I like better than to be tinkering around in the studio and experimenting with some ideas. And um, so the fact that this music kind of actually like came together quite quickly, it was actually something that surprised me because my, uh, the previous albums have taken mm-hmm. like well over a year to produce mm-hmm. and I've been quite... But I guess I, I, I was quite uh, uh, flamboyant in my ideas with those ones because I was working with orchestras in Mexico mm-hmm. and um, Kowali singers from Pakistan and Moses Somni and various other people. So... Um, uh, with this project, because we weren't allowed to move around mm-hmm. the world and I just decided that uh, this could, I could, should just focus on, you know, just my sound and what I can do in the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some help with Paolo, who, who engineers with me, and he's also my tour manager. So, um, so yeah, and he lives just around the corner mm-hmm. from me. So we were literally just in the studio every day. Yeah. But why we had to wait 10 years? Which <laughs> <laughs> is a long time. <laughs> well, no, like I say, we didn't really. Because <laughs> I've, I have, in 10 years, it's, I've actually produced four albums. So that's yes, that, of yeah, course, yeah. with the other one, the solo yeah, album, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like, yeah. I mean. Well, the first, the first album, um, Smoke the Monster Out, 10, yeah. in 2009, um, was, um, I'm not sure how people perceive that record these days. I mean, I, when I, sometimes if, if I might put it on and, There's some, some things I love about it. There's some things I hate about it. <laughs> um, but um, it's um, it was a real trip for me because that was the first time that I'd, I, I had the first opportunity. I, I kind of felt I was ready to really express myself and I really threw in the kitchen sink into that project. Um, you know, even there's a Scott Walker cover version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, there's actually some like drum and bass uh, jungle samples yeah. in there and there's a track called Lullaby which is really weird and you know there's all this like strange music and a little you know sampling uh, Fagin from Oliver Twist and I was like just throwing in all my ideas and I mm-hmm. think with that album um, I was very conscious that it shouldn't be d- directed at the dance floor mm-hmm. I wanted to you know be true to myself mm-hmm. but I knew at the same time that that was going to limit my um 
band base, you know. <laughs> it's going to confuse people. Naya, but for me, I'm sorry to say this. Um, it's, I mean, when I look at you, and it's, it's for me um, really respectable. You know, you are. It's, it must be a challenge because you're around since 20 years. You are, are staying constantly cool, which is quite difficult in our scene. <laughs> you, you might know, say that. You I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, you, you're remaining the vanguard of our scene still. So how much is this challenging you? Because it's it's really not often that you have this. You know, you have all these kids coming up. They're super cool. They have new ideas. They're brilliant. Mm. And to stay so long and so important and relevant, is this a challenge? Are you thinking about this or it's just... No, no. <laughs> I don't think about it, but I'm aware of it. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that keeps me, um, let's say, fluid is that um, running the record label because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking with so many young up-and-coming producers and mm -hmm. artists that are sending me their music and looking for advice. And so I'm, you know, whilst I'm kind of lending a hand to, to, to up-and-coming people, they're, they're also kind of keeping me mm -hmm. fresh and updated with what, what their ideas are. And I don't know, I think that... Um, I think um, I've always tried to be like a bit of ahead of the curve, so mm -hmm. I'm never very satisfied with what's happening in the now. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, you know, you, as a DJ, you know, you're playing promos and demos well up front before they're released, and then by the time they get to be released, you're kind of over that, you're on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then with like um, with uh, certain genres or, or um, passing fads of in, in in our music, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always trying to kind of be ahead of that. And, and um, mm. so when something's currently cool, I've usually already kind of <laughs> had, <laughs> had, 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 a, had a moment with it. But as, at least you know it. This yeah, is wonderful. I, I know it, but I, I don't capitalise on it because I think that, that that's, mm -hmm. um, that's always been my kind mm -hmm. of... Um, um, Uh, the thing that hasn't really worked uh, worked out because I, I don't really think about music in terms of commerce, you mm -hmm. see. So I'm I'm more just trying to be ahead of the ahead of the game and just uh, try to direct you know music in a certain way so when it comes to so when something is like suddenly really hype mm -hmm. I've already kind of been there and done it and I'm like I don't want to be seen like the guy that's now trying to cash in on something that he actually had a party yeah. helping to create. <laughs> I want to talk with you about this later. I have some. Uh, but mostly you discovered this new kids on the block. I mm. remember, you know, Jamie Jones, uh, to name only one, you know, yeah. and they were all, first of all, they came to you. And this is quite interesting because um, this is why the 10 years are still so in my mind. I remember 10 years when you had Smoke the Monsters out, mm -hmm. which was released on Good Physical. Now you put Flourish back on Crosstown Rebels. And I remember... I remember 10 years ago in the interview in my radio station, you said, no, I'm not doing this on my label. I want to, you know, I need the freedom that someone takes all this stuff with the marketing. Now you're back on Crosstown Rebels. What? Why? Well, actually, there was <laughs> another reason for that 10 years ago. And, and, and that was um, that was that I that year, I, as you say, I'd like started to work with Jamie Jones, mm -hmm. Seth Troxler, Art Department. Uh, Maceo Plex and Denise Cartel, all, in, all pretty much in that same year. Uh, so, and I'd signed out, with the exception of Seth, I'd signed albums from pretty much all of those artists. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt that if I was to release my album that year as well, then the focus of the, the my label, my team would be not, like, naturally. Mm -hmm. They'd like want to, you know, like put a lot of like importance into my album because being the boss, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So. Yes. I decided Other people just do it unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that um that it was um it was a good thing for me to do to basically say to 
to the other artists that mm-hmm. actually I'm not going to release on my label this year. I'm going to let someone else do that mm-hmm. because I want to focus on you guys, you know. Um, I did just get the rights back to Smoke the Monster out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> from <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. Yeah, but the album is great. So, um, talking about team and survive, I mean, um, it's we are all hit by the pandemic. But I know with your parties, you are like a big party entrepreneur. Can you say this? Or you, you did the best parties nowadays? And I just saw two days ago the announcement on your Facebook site that uh, Day Zero in Tulum is going to be cancelled. So, how much? Um, did this hit you and how much the company, the team, how was that for you? Uh, it's bit, I mean, this year has been uh, devastating to the mm-hmm. team, really. I mean, everybody is um, um, really feeling the effects, you know. We're trying mm-hmm. to keep a brave face on it, but but it's um, very demoralizing because you just we just don't know currently, uh, you know, when we can return to some kind of normality or if that mm-hmm. will ever happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so yeah, we were we were one of the first um, party organizers mm-hmm. to get hit with um, a big cancellation of a big event, and that was uh, Get Lost Miami. Um, I personally hadn't um, arrived in Miami at the time that we had to cancel it, but um, the rest of my team were. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd already spent like a, a bunch of money, and we didn't have mm-hmm. insurance, you know, mm-hmm. against anything like this, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, I only know of one organization that had. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, pandemic insurance. <laughs> and if you have a pandemic insurance, it's really funny. As leaders in Germany, they say, no, we're not paying because it's not COVID. Right. So it's really crazy yeah. things, you know, yeah. insurances. So, yeah, so, um, so we, we'd already, you know, spent a lot of money on preparing this. And we, we were actually celebrating a big one at, the, at Get Lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a brand new location, um, which was absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so it was a really big deal I had Kudendorfmeister booked and uh, and um, you know a bunch of other people it was like I don't know 70 artists or something mm-hmm. over five stages this time so um, yeah we were all really excited about it and then then it's all the beginning of well actually just backtracking just prior to that like whilst I had taken off all of February and March my last uh, I did go and do like three shows in February um, all around fashion weeks Paris, mm-hmm. London and Milan and um, it seemed that everywhere I was going um, people were kind of getting sick and cities were like, you know, announcing they're about to lock down s- straight after I left. I was worried that it had something to do with me. <laughs> and then, of course, the... Um, and then, so Miami, I, re- I guess it was around the uh, very beginning of March, um, they started to get word that, you know, mm-hmm. America's going to get hit with this virus very soon and um, mm-hmm. things are not looking very good. And every day we're like, well, what's going to happen? What do we do now? So, of course, we'd like sold, you know, thousands mm-hmm. of tickets and... Um, and then, yeah, the we, the new location was in uh, the city of uh, Hilaire, which is just outside of Miami-Dade. So um, they actually, the authorities there actually announced that they were going to close down the city and, um, and we were done. So, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that was a really, really difficult announcement. And... And um, but then we had um, the the one after that was supposed to be get lost at Sonar, mm-hmm. um, off Sonar, and that was going to be the first time we were going to bring that to Barcelona. So we're, we're all really excited about that. And then that didn't happen. And then um, the second year of Day Zero Masada in the, uh, in Israel was supposed to happen mm-hmm. at the end of September. We hadn't actually announced that, but um, you know, mm-hmm. the, as far as mm-hmm. my team is concerned, that's mm-hmm. you know, this is what we've all been looking forward to. And I guess the next one is uh, January in uh, Tulum, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, I just looked at the I looked at the situation out there, and I just figured like it's a difficult one. And I'll tell you why because right now, 
Tulum mm-hmm. has nobody with COVID in the local hospital. Really? Yep, nobody. And there's a bunch of people there. Uh, it's been like the hotels are pretty full right now. Mm-hmm. People are partying. Mm-hmm. Things are like not 100% normal, but, you know, relatively normal. Um, and Zamna, who run the other big events there, they have mm-hmm. like uh, four or five different locations where they uh, where they run their events over two weeks. Um, they, um, they're planning to... to carry on mm-hmm. uh, and I'm hoping to go there myself to be honest but as far as day zero is concerned um, I just didn't feel that um, it was a responsible move mm-hmm. to put so many people in, in the jungle together and um, it's, um, uh, it was a very very difficult decision mm-hmm. but um, uh, but then I, I, I was talking to some um, friends and, and agents and promoters and like looking around at the diary and um, I thought, okay, look, Coachella is um, scheduled for the first two weeks of April, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing on. Whether that's going to happen or not, we don't know. It's probably unlikely, to be honest. No. But at the moment, it's, on, it's in the diary. Um, and then um, in Tulum, they have this thing called Art With Me, which mm-hmm. friends of mine run. It's like a, mm-hmm. like a, a mini um, the, uh, art festival in uh, Miami, London. Um, so it's like a mini one of those. And then the f- week after that, there's the Three Points Festival in Miami. So I figured, okay, so maybe we could um, we could jump in there. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it was Earth Day on the 22nd of April, uh, and I thought, this is a this nice... This is quite important for yes, you. Yeah, this is a good omen for us. So but, we're, so currently we're, 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 gonna, we're, we're pegged in for the 23rd of April. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be possible to do it or but not. Did but did you get any help from the government? No. no. No, nothing. So how difficult it was. I mean, you could probably you couldn't hold the whole team because, I mean, if you look even at this productions, what you were planned for this year, mm. or this is like you have a big team, so you can't really get them all hold. Every, how, how this affected you psychological ways? I can... Uh, it, it's, been, it's been tricky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I started um, a weekly um, uh, team, like Zoom meeting, so mm-hmm. that we could all kind of share our, our worries and our <laughs> disappointments and um, and then, you know, and then that dropped to every two weeks. But I was just finding that we were just kind of covering like the same ground. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, no change yet, you know. Um, so everyone's been very patient and I, I worry for my team because um, um, everyone needs to make, mm-hmm. a, make a living and um, we all work in, a, in an industry that's not uh, currently economically uh, happening, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But how much do you see all these cultural projects, especially your parties, you know, mm. they give people also hope. It's it's a really good place to get energy. People using this not going out and blah, blah, let loose. It's something what they really need even for their daily life. Do yeah. you think this is, um, society is collapsing without all this when it's not going to happen for another year? Because we all need these spaces, you know, we need this. Yeah, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I did hear yesterday from pretty good authority that uh, most uh, large events in through uh, the, the bigger um, mm-hmm. party organisers are looking now to the back end of 21. So um, we could find ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. twiddling our thumbs for another year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that is a dangerous um, place for a lot of people in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really hope that... Um, People can uh, hang on in there, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. What, I don't really know what uh, what the suggestion is. I don't really know what people need to do. There's a um, uh, it's all kicking off in the UK right mm-hmm. now because the uh, one of the um, uh, government ministers was on TV this week being asked specifically about the night nightlife industry, which is something that they've completely ignored. And um, her suggestion was uh, we're going to now um, 
help adults um, redefine their their careers. So if you're in the nightlife industry, forget about it. Yeah. And we're going to try and uh, make some suggestions to you for other career moves you can get into. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, of course. I mean, this has also happened to us. Even, you know, my family was like, oh, what are you doing now for a job? I mean, said, hey, I can't do another job. I've worked 20 years for this. I'm yeah. not giving up to do something now. You know, this is really yeah. crazy. Well, How does government treat us, it, all of us? It's ridiculous. But you're very lucky, you know, in that you have... Um, you have a great studio and you have a podcast <laughs> and radio show. <laughs> Still. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> donate, donate, no, no. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, you could, it's, we all get really creative now, you know, they're coming new ideas. Mm. But the thing is, what do you think, I mean, there will be a massive change in the society, definitely. But do you think also the music will change after this? Um, I hope so, because I do. <laughs> I have been feeling that it's been going, getting a bit stale recently. I don't know about you, but um, mm-hmm. um, I feel that um, we need some some new um, life injected into house and techno and mm-hmm. uh, electronic, um, you know. I think that um, this is... Um, I've always thought that the best music comes through times of uh, economic hardship and political unrest, and mm. that's generally when the underground starts to really kick mm. into play, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so this is, um, I don't think we've seen the worst of times yet. Mm. I think we're going to see some, have some much more difficult days ahead, unfortunately. Mm. But I think that we just have to, um, uh, we have to stay, try to stay positive, like try to, try to continue to be creative, spend this time, mm. you know, um, getting back into you know reading mm. you know books, getting inspired by you know old mm. movies or um, you know checking in on like old music, maybe some like genres of music that you always thought that you wanted to check out and never really had the time. You know, I've been listening to a lot of country music myself. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, th- I, th- I think that there's, I think we just have to kind of re- realign our, our our plans and our dreams, and just uh, you know we're just on hold currently. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can survive it, if you can get help from the government, then uh, then great. Um, if you need to make some extra money doing whatever, then just do it, and don't mm-hmm. you know? I'd, I'd recommend people just just get on with it and just do it, and mm-hmm. you know, don't be shy or bashful or too mm-hmm. proud to you know. You know, difficult times. Absolutely. I mean, even the consumption of our music is changing now, which I'm a little bit worried. And actually, I always thought about you <laughs> and I want to know what you think about when you see or what, how do you feel about these new live streams? You know, everyone uh, makes a super nice staging, new light to create a vibe. And this is something absolutely not new <laughs> for you because you did it first, like you said before, you're always ahead of your times. So how do you feel about it? Um, that people now thinking that visualizing and staging is same important than music, which was always for you. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that um, I think the, there was an initial burst of energy um, in that world um, in March and April where people were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We're not going to be playing clubs, but I've got to stay connected to my fans and I need to be doing something to... And I, I think that's, that's, that's fine. I think that the whole virtual reality thing is a little bit of a red herring. Um, I think that... Um, um, The organizations that mm. creating these VR experiences kind of didn't really take it in, take mm. into account the fact that not many people in our world actually own VR equipment, uh, headsets and whatnot. So I think that was a little bit of a, um, some, I, think, I don't think that really worked out. I mean, maybe it will come around again in a, in a better format. But mm. uh, um, personally, I um, 
I, I, I live on the top of a mountain with pretty poor Wi-Fi signals. <laughs> I was a bit concerned about, um, you know, entering into the live stream mm -hmm. DJ set world because the last thing I wanted was to be like, you know, you know shaky, kind of getting cut, cut off every two minutes. And um, But, um, yeah, I did, I did two, uh, two LazPod live shows. I thought that was a nice kind of format to experiment with. And I sat in the garden mm -hmm. and played a bunch of music and... Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a nice thing to do. And then I then I discovered um, um, a couple of um, um, programs that I've ne never really um, played around with before in terms mm -hmm. of like um, um, making like a visual, um, creative visual mm -hmm. um, treatments mm -hmm. over the top of something that's mm -hmm. pretty boring, i.e. me sitting in a well <laughs> playing music. <laughs> uh, so then, and then I started to like film around the garden and the, the, the donkeys and the goats and... Um, like insects that are eating in the flowers and then put some crazy colours and psychedelic madness over the top of it. So I got pretty creative with that, but um, uh, I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to come do, do some of that again. But, but uh, honestly, you managed always um, to have the focus more on the art and your creativity and rather than a commercial progress. If I see this now on the live stream, sometimes I think, okay, yeah. <laughs> I read the book or whatever. Yeah, no, I did a, I did a, I did a live stream for um, Desert Hearts uh, mm, TV yeah. on Twitch a few weeks ago and they have a, um, they have a thing um, that when you're playing, uh, you have the, the option uh, as a viewer to donate a tip mm -hmm. To the DJ. <laughs> I like this. I, I thought I'd like it, but I, I, then I thought about it and I was like really uncomfortable about it because mm -hmm. I, I felt like, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not working in a bar. <laughs> yeah, but it, especially yeah. in America, or no, in South America, it's like this. You know, it was back in the days, maybe mm. you remember this, when you played, they brought you a dollar or like, a, even if you were good, hundred dollars on the, on the DJ booth. It was in South America, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I think actually, this. I think I actually got offered quite a lot of money once to play, <laughs> Sorry. to play a certain record, and all, which I, you know, <laughs> refused to, I refused to take it because it just felt so weird. Mm -hmm. But, um, But yeah, I've never been the best um, best uh, businessman. <laughs> right, so you know the opportunity to make some money. I'm always a bit like, oh, I don't know, I don't feel very comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, but I think I, we have to think about this donating button. I talk to many colleagues, and I think it's nothing bad because of the mm. consumption of the music is now changing, and this mm. is not good. You know, when I was little, I had this talk with Chris Liebing, for example. You go to a shop, you bought like a maxi single for ten <laughs> yeah. bucks, and yeah. you had two tracks on it. You know, nowadays it, it doesn't matter, but um, 2009, nine, you moved to LA. Again, a story where you were ahead of your time because this was way before the whole burning manish, you know, American bohemian hype came over to Europe. And maybe it was actually also you who invented this. <laughs> Why actually you moved to LA? I had no idea. Uh, okay, I'll tell you. I was touring in uh, the States <laughs> in 2008 and... Um, Uh, I'd just broken up with my, my ex uh, in the UK and I, um, and I was touring in the, the US and I was toying around with the idea of, you know, just realizing that for the first time in my life, I was like, I had the opportunity to move anywhere in the world, you know, and I hadn't really considered it before. And a lot of friends had been moving to Berlin and stuff and uh, or Paris or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'd never really considered it before. And then I was in the US and I was playing a party in uh, Denver mm -hmm. and um Uh, an after party and I, I had to uh, get a flight early um, that afternoon and uh, so the driver picked me up at the after party and then uh, had to drive me directly to the airport and on the way to the airport um, we drove through this park and there were just like thousands of cars parked in this park 
And um, I said, oh, what's, what's going on here? And the driver said, oh, it's um, uh, this Senator Barack Obama is doing one of his uh, campaign um, trails today mm-hmm. uh, in Denver in the park. And I was like, oh, look, can you... Because I've been following that quite a bit. And I was like, oh, can you just pull over? I'd love to just run in. And I just ran into the park and I caught the last five minutes. And um, 100,000 people just like... It was electric, the vibe, the mm-hmm. atmosphere, the, you know, and he was just coming in with, you know, and, you know, yes, we can. And together we can change the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I just got swept up in, in the euphoria of that. Mm-hmm. And I just figured, you know what? This guy is one of the first people in you know global politics mm-hmm. has actually given me some feeling of um, mm-hmm. excitement, you know, that something actually is going to change and the you know we're going to make the world a better place, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay. So at that at that same time, um, I'd just been having a bit of a problem with the label. At, um, uh, distributor had gone under mm-hmm. and um, we lost a bunch of money and uh, had to put the label into. Um, uh, liquidation and then mm. buy it back from the... <laughs> it was the most ridiculous situation ever mm. and it was mm. so unfair and unfortunate. And uh, I didn't have any money and um, had some friends in LA who um, were thinking to um, start a label and they were looking for some help, um, the culprit guys. And uh, one of the... They had a backer and uh, he uh, he said, you know, listen, if you come over to LA, um, if you're thinking, really thinking about LA, if you want to come over, you know, um, we'll help you out and you can help us mm-hmm. out. And so I helped them kind of, like, mm-hmm. you know, set up their label and, and uh, set up shop there in, in LA. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess soon went to Burning Man uh, for the first time. And um, uh, and I could I could sense like a, a start of a new underground mm-hmm. movement in, in America because I've been touring around for a while and I could really feel it really coming. And so then um, EDC offered me a stage, um, the first underground, you know, house techno stage that they'd had, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was in the small corner of EDC, Vegas and San Francisco. And mm-hmm. it wasn't very successful, but I took with me, like, Jamie and Art Department. I think Seth came. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, so we, we just, I, just, I guess I just started, like, doing, you know, US focused mm-hmm. stuff yeah. and uh, <laughs> and yeah after six years I felt that I'd like done it and mm-hmm. um, I wanted to move back to Europe mm-hmm. and uh, almost moved here but then I chose Italy so. I mean I don't have to ask you how you see the situation in the US now and I know you would not probably move there no <laughs> me neither <laughs> but how do you see the I mean US is quite hard now how do you see the club scene after all this I, for me, I don't know if I really want to go back and play in the US, if, if I can, if there's a chance anyway. Well, um, I can tell you that Space Miami have just announced that they're going to reopen at the really? end of October, but to 25% capacity, uh, mainly tables, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, st- that's a start, you know, it's a mm-hmm. step in the right direction. But um, I think that's because the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, has said mm-hmm. that he wants, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the whole place to reopen. So... Um, I think I think it's um, I think it's a very worrying time, you know. Um, mm. I think that um, I think not just in America, but I think globally, unfortunately, we're going to lose a lot of our favourite clubs. Absolutely. Um, and um, you know, I've been trying to do my bit recently to to help out where I can, you know, mm. and going to play at places that I really like, you know. Yeah. Just you have to, to support each other now. Yeah. This is absolutely clear. 
Yeah, and uh, thank you because you have to support is a good word because you are here actually in Berlin because you're playing today, not tonight. I'm we so excited. We have so nice play times now, <laughs> six to ten. This is wonderful. This is something in, what I really in, like. In bed by 11. <laughs> I, I really miss the lack of sleep sometimes, but it's quite cool. I get common, I get used to this, actually. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it, actually, today. I feel like... Uh, I haven't been in Berlin for a little while. It changed uh, also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, well, how many people were allowed at the, the party today? It's 350. I'm like, wow, that's the most people I've played to all year. <laughs> It's amazing. So probably 351 because I would come <laughs> sneak in. Thank you, Damien. This was great and wonderful that you're here and that you took the time. Well, thanks for having thanks. me. And so always a pleasure to see you. Super. Cheers. Clubroom Backstage Produced at Blackout Studios